Well, we finished David, Second Samuel, first chapter, first Kings. We got Solomon on the throne, and now we turn to the New Testament. We've been in the Old Testament six years. It seems hard to believe, but uh, I miss the words of Jesus, going through the words of Jesus, the life of Jesus. And uh, so we're coming back to the New Testament, and we're in the Gospel of John this morning. So today, we turn that corner and come to the New Testament. But between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a 400-year time of silence. God uh, not speaking to man. There were no prophets of renown. There was no communication or fellowship from God to man. Basically, there was the law, and there were priests and so forth, but uh, there was no direct word from the Lord for mankind. The Persians... And their four generals have divided Palestine, or Israel, in the surrounding area. The Jews have been dispersed across the Middle East into Egypt, into Libya, into Arabia. And the Greek culture in this time frame is prominent, and many Jews have melted. They have took on the Greek-speaking culture and have migrated into their areas. The Jews are led by priests and scribes, uh, and they have translated the Hebrew scriptures into what we call the Septuagint, and it's just simply a Greek version of the Old Testament scriptures. And the Jews begin to split or divide in their customs. You have the Sadducees that are very secular. They're very worldly. They're non-spiritual, you might say. They only accepted the first five books of the Old Testament, the first five books, the Pentateuch of Moses. The Pharisees, however, they're very proud to be a Jew, very proud of their orthodoxy, and they now rule and control the the thinking and processes of Jerusalem and that area. Rome, however, is now replacing the Greeks as the power of the world and the influence in Palestine. Herod, uh, the king over the Palestinian area, he rises to power. And he comes on the scene about 20 years before Christ. And in this time, he begins to rebuild the Jewish temple there in Jerusalem. And we will begin the Gospel of John, and it's written by a disciple that is known for his love. John, the disciple of love. 
Jesus called John to himself from his father's fishing boat. John was not always so loving. In fact, initially, John was called a son of thunder, indicating that he was robust. He was a, a man with a probably a quick temper. Uh, we read about this in the Gospel of Mark. But John, was he was transformed from this person of violent thought and behavior to the disciple of love. And he did this while being Jesus' disciple. John, if you remember, he wanted to call down fire upon people. There you go. That's a loving disciple. Let me call down fire on him, Lord. But John, he mellowed, and in his old age, they say he was carried from church to church, and he had one message. And that message was, brethren, love one another. So as we study John, may we also allow the Spirit of God cause us to love one another. And one of the best descriptions of love that I've ever heard is doing the best for someone with no regard for yourself, no regard for the cost, no regard for the time it's going to take you to love them. John was familiar with Jesus before becoming his disciple. And uh, many believe that John and Jesus were cousins. And can't you just see John and Jesus at family gatherings on their trips to Jerusalem? John and Jesus would probably play with one another as children do. They talked, they laughed. And as young boys, they developed a friendship as cousins. But as a disciple, John came to the realization, my cousin, my relative, is God. And in John twenty thirty one, he tells us why he wrote the Gospel of John. And that's so we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. John had to come to that realization himself. And the second reason John wrote the gospel, that we can, as believers, have life through the name of Jesus. To be a believer of Jesus, it's an ongoing process. It's a continual way of life to believe. The more we believe, the more we experience Jesus. The more we find ourselves living the abundant life that Jesus wants us to live. Jesus lifts us up out of the ordinary, mundane, day-to-day -day grind that we live in. And he lifts us up to everlasting life. So let's read the first verse, five verses of John 
chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Contrary to a lot of people's understanding of Jesus, he did not come into existence as a babe in Bethlehem. That's when he took on an earthly body. The statement in verse 1 declared Jesus is the organizing principle of creation. Jesus is the reason behind our universe, our reason for even existing. As human beings, we look back at Genesis 1 and read about our creation. And Jesus had a plan for mankind. He created us in his own image as eternal beings. And he placed man, placed Adam and Eve in a perfect, sinless garden. Body, soul, and spirit of created man in perfect harmony with Jesus, our creator. But notice, for Jesus, this is not his beginning. He's not at the beginning or from the beginning, but Jesus in the beginning is there. As for God, Jesus is known as the Word. Now, Greek thinking, Greek philosophers had a concept that the Word, the thoughts, existed somewhere in the heavens. And the Jews carried this whole thought and idea further. Behind every thought, there must be a thinker. Way back in Genesis 1-1, we have the word for God, and it's Elohim, meaning three or more. So we have in verse 1 of Genesis how it speaks of God being a trinity. We have, or I should say I have, difficulty reconciling no beginning. It's a concept that uh, is just difficult for me. We can sort of get a grip on no ending, living eternally. But we read in Scripture that God placed eternity in our hearts. We wouldn't understand eternity if God hadn't made it possible for us to grasp that, to think that we will not die, that we will live forever. And science also has difficulty with no beginning. They can't reconcile it either. Thus, we have theories like the Big Bang. And this, the Big Bang is taught as what? Truth in school. 
But go back in your own mind, as far as your mind will allow you to go back. All right, you back there? Go back. Drive a stake down right there and realize Jesus was already there. He was already there. In verse 3 of John 1, all things were made through and by Jesus. Jesus is the creator of all. How much is all? All. Evolution in its theories and in its teaching basically calls God a liar. God says, I made it, I created it, it did not evolve. Many humanists make Jesus into a created being. That's humanistic thinking. But many cults, many false religions refer to Jesus as the Son of God, but not God not giving him the proper status as being divine. But they relegate Jesus to the position of prophet, teacher, brilliant teacher, a man before his time, etc. But Jesus, as creator, also gave us life. And to receive his life that he offers, all you have to do is believe in him as God. Simple belief. Takes you from death and grave, hell, to life. Jesus is the enlightenment to mankind. Jesus became light to mankind that live in a dark world. Jesus, as light, shines into darkness. But many people in darkness do not understand Jesus as light. They reject the simplicity of Jesus through unbelieving hearts. Do you believe Jesus is God and creator? You're a minority. You're a minority. Most of the world doesn't believe that. Do you believe Jesus is God and creator? I do. And I'm sure you do. But as a minority, we are a blessed minority a minority that has eternal life. Let's continue with verses 6 through 13, and we're introduced to then John the Baptist. And this speaks of him in these verses. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. 
He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but the will of God. We are made known of John the Baptist by John the disciple. John the Baptist had a specific ministry. He was to expose, he was to bear witness of Jesus, the light that all men might believe. John openly confesses, I'm not that light, but I only point to that light. I hopefully lead people to that light. Now, as believers, many of us have difficulty evangelizing. We don't know how to present our Lord and Jesus. But it's refreshing. It's a simple thing to simply share what Jesus has done in our own life. And what Jesus is doing. And what Jesus will continue to do in my life. And then we get to see the Holy Spirit convince those that we talk to about the benefits of believing. A child finds it very easy to believe. And it's important that we have childlike faith in our Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to convince those that we talk to about the truth of Jesus. In verse 7b, it says, Jesus came to, to this world. He took on flesh that all of mankind should believe. And it's the Holy Spirit of Jesus that brings that truth home to us. And who does the Holy Spirit reveal Jesus unto? To every man that comes into the world. Every person born into this world, Jesus reveals himself to him. In 2 Peter 3, 9, we read, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus came for each and every person born into this life. God's grace and mercy stands available to all. And in the Greek there, all means all. Verse 10, Jesus came to this world that he created, but this world that he created as a whole does not know him. And that's sad. Verse 11, Jesus came to his own people, the Jews, but they did not receive him. Verse 12, but as many as received Christ, he has given the right 
the privilege, the right to become a child of God, a work of God, and to receive this right to be a child of God, all you have to do is believe. God doesn't save churches or denominations. He saves individuals. All you have to do is believe he is God. Believe Jesus died, suffered the cross for my sins. Believe Jesus rose from the grave, thus overcoming sin and death. If you believe that, you are a child of God. As believers, we are children of God. How? By the will of God. John's message, as a man sent from God, John simply preached, repent of your sins. Believe in Jesus Christ, the light of the world, and become a child of God with eternal life. Salvation. It's a sovereign work of God, and all man has to do is believe. That's all you got to do. Believe. So this morning, if you're a believer, that's good. But if you're not a believer, by an act of your will, believe. Jesus said to Thomas, quit being unbelieving and become believing. An act of your will, not a, not a recognizing of truth and facts, but an act of your will, believe. For God has revealed himself to each and every one of us. And all we have to do to be in his kingdom is believe. Amen. Amen. This morning, I'm speaking to believers, I believe. <laughs> but if you happen to be here and you're not a believer, we can rectify that situation. Uh, you can meet me in the prayer room. We'll have people in the prayer room be more than delighted to pray with you about believing in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer and get you to stand, please. First off, Jesus, we thank you for coming as man, walking among us, living among us, teaching us, we thank you for going to the cross. We thank you for suffering the penalty of our sins, becoming our atonement. We thank you that you overcome sin and death by raising from the grave. Thank you, Lord, for that. A simple message, a true message, but in your message to man, you give us life. You give us eternal life. We thank you for that gift, Lord. May we always appreciate the fact that we're in your kingdom as your children. Thank you, Lord, for doing a good work in our hearts and lives. We thank you in the name of Jesus.